Welcome in, everybody. This is the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast Network. We have the Full Tilt Devi Podcast. This is episode 140 of the brand. I'm hyped. I hope you're hyped. We're going to get a couple things out of the way before we hand it off to the two hosts of the evening. First off, big cool announcement. We are officially signed with Manscaped. You will see that content coming soon. Big shout out to all the listeners and and everyone doing the downloads and the comments. We couldn't do it without you. Second off, I just want to announce that episode 141 will be back on regular schedule this Saturday for the fantasy walkabout. Other than that, you guys are tired of hearing my scraggly voice. I want to hand it off to the who two hosts of the evening. This is Andy and John. Oh, thank you so much, Tommy T. We uh we missed having you for a little bit, but uh, as weird as it is to sit there for a minute while he talks, you know I do love hearing him. <laughs> but I, I am Dynasty Coach A. I'm uh, your 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 faithful host, I guess supposedly. And uh, my my fun fact of the day, I didn't really have one, uh, but my fun fact of the day is my back is in terrible shape, and I I, I can barely walk. So that's uh, not so much fun, but that's what I'm dealing with. That comes yeah, I was with age. That, yeah, that sounds awful, but uh. Uh, what's going on, everybody? I'm Andy. I'm at A Star FF on Twitter. Uh, my fun fact: uh, earlier this week on Trash Day, I found somebody throwing away like a like a vintage leather U of M golf bag. So I scooped that up. It's full of clubs. Sold it on eBay like a day later for two hundred dollars. So I'm feeling pretty good. No about way. That. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't awesome. believe it. That is awesome. Look, we love that kind of thing. We love our guys uh, reaping the benefits of chance. Well, look, great, great intros. We're ready to roll. We don't want to be those guys that uh, say we have lots to get to, but we have lots to get to. First off, there is some news, of course, co-producing today. We do have Lucas. Lucas, hit us with the first tidbit of the day. So first piece of news for today is that the Chiefs may be letting one of their offseason acquisitions walk in Ronald Jones. How do you all see this affecting the other running backs for the Chiefs in particular? How do you see this affecting Pacheo? I mean, honestly, like I don't really think that Ronald Jones is going to get cut uh, when it's all said and done. I I think that he is a much better uh, player than Isaiah Pacheco, but you know, there could be some things like special teams and receiving game that the Pacheco has that obviously Ronald Jones does not have. Um, I don't think that they have enough actual running backs on the team to really be cutting someone that has like NFL talent. You know, um, I like, once again, I'm not the biggest Rojo believer, but the dude can run fast straight, you know, like he, he can at least do that. Um, you know, sometimes he fumbles, but I don't know. I, actually, the more I talk about it, maybe I hate him and he's just going to get cut. <laughs> yeah, I've for one, I've never been a Rojo guy, so I'm not going to sit here and try to defend him. Uh, I do like Jarek McKinnon. I think he's a guy that could benefit from all this talk, but there's talk that maybe he's going to be let go. Uh, as far as Pacheco, I mean, he was pretty efficient as a runner behind a really bad Rutgers offensive line last year. So, you know, he's he didn't have the stats, obviously, because, you know, that team was so horrible. But he could be a sneaky uh, grab late in Dynasty drafts this year. And, you know, if, if their injuries fall the right way, you know, he might be a, you know, he could end up being valuable down the stretch. So uh, he's a guy to think about, at least. But I right now, 
I actually just grabbed Jarek McKinnon and uh, Scott Fishbowl. Uh, so I think that he might be the one to own there if, you know, anything should happen to Edwards Alaire. I think it's worth noting that when Clyde was struggling, Jet did way produce in right. that role. So I think that's worth noting. You are gambling. Next up on the news calendar, John, I specifically wanted to be here for this. <laughs> uh, the man with one of the worst records in the second half of seasons got a massive extension. Uh, playoff win Twitter was up in arms because he hasn't done shit in that regards, and the man just is both either broken every year or <laughs> struggles down the stretch. Obviously, it's a big contract. Let's talk the contract before I send it to you guys. Five-year extension, average of $32 million in guaranteed money over that time. So he's not going anywhere. He will make $46.1 million in average across uh, that contract. So he's in Arizona, stuff stuck with big cliff and we know how these big contracts hinder teams building i want to throw it first to john initial reaction for this and how do you see this playing out in arizona initial reactions i loved every second of it because you know you want stability with your dynasty qbs and i have a decent amount of kyler um you know he's He's my QB one in dynasty. And that's, that's definitely a hot take, but I, I love Kyler. I, I really do. So, uh, you know, I, I really feel like he's, he's probably the only QB in the NFL right now that has a legit shot at 4k passing and 1k rushing. Um, I, I don't know of any other QBs that can possibly do that. Uh, you know, he, Josh yeah, Allen had his there's best. Only, there's only one that averaged those numbers up until he got hurt. Just saying, <laughs> yeah, it averaged. Um, so, you know, it's Kyler's a stud. Yes, the, the injuries have been uh, definitely a concern or something that we should be concerned about. But the play on when, when healthy has been the best in the league. Um, like literally QB1, when healthy. And they just upgraded, you know, the, everyone was talking about how DeAndre Hopkins was falling off last year. Well, that may be true. And they just added Hollywood Brown, who I'm so, so hyped about this year because of him moving over to a, a thousand times better QB and a better situation. So I, I think everything they're, they're building around Kyler. And now that they have all of that behind them, I think they can just continue doing that. They added Trey McBride, one of my favorite tight ends. Like I just feel like this offense is moving in the right direction. And, uh, and, you know, Kyler's going to be a big part of that. Yeah, um, I also love Trey McBride. Good uh, name drop there. Uh, you know, Ertz is obviously going to be the main guy at tight end there, but I do think, you know, with a couple years of development, McBride could be a, a huge tight end play down the stretch. But I've always been of the mindset that Kyler Murray's uh, above average to good NFL quarterback, and he's a great to, you know, extraordinary fantasy quarterback. So if you're a fantasy manager of – Kyler, you're ecstatic about this news. If you're a Cardinals fan, or if I was a Cardinals fan, I would be kind of trepidatious about this news. You know, like like Tom was saying, you know, this kind of hinders the ability to roster build and, uh, you know, build up that old line, the defense, the trenches, the, the you know, the parts of the game that aren't as sexy as quarterbacks and wide receivers and running backs, but are still necessary.
Uh-oh. Looks like Cody we lost Andy. Yeah, we lost Andy. So. Like John, you have a bunch of Kyler Murray. Oh, sorry, we lost you for a minute there, buddy. But um, but yes, uh, I think I got I got out most of what I was gonna say. So <laughs> I, I heard at the end, I do have quite a bit. Um, not as much as I used to have. I, I sold off a little bit uh, on some teams that I, I hadn't made the best decisions on, and I needed to fix. And the one of the best ways to fix is is to sell like a top QB because you can get so many pieces uh, when you're doing that. So. Uh, obviously you can build around the top QB or you can sell them off and get a bunch like, you know, imagine what you could get for Josh Allen right now. It's essentially the same thing with Kyler Murray and that that's basically what I did, but I do have uh, you know, a a few shares at the very least. And um, I'm always looking to, you know, to to get more, although this news probably hindered that. (laughs) Yeah. So one thing to note about Kyler Murray and his ups and downs of the season is that it seems to come at the expense of one either passing and or rushing. We know Konami code quarterbacks break fantasy football, even in six point passing touchdown leagues. Something to note that this year he only had 58 designed runs and only ran 30 scrambles. Uh, so it his rushing yards are way down. His rushing touchdowns came down to earth. Uh, there was a torrid stretch at the beginning of the year, but this seems to be what happens with Kingsbury as well. So we will see what happens with Kyler. Take note. Great start. We're off and running. Here's a clip from last week's show. When we come back, the boys are going to get into a bit of a Big Ten and Pac-12 preview. Sit tight. You are a featured member of the Bulletproof Discord. You are, of course, the uh, analytics man over here at the full tilt dynasty podcast i refer to you for everything when it comes to these bad news for the full tilt dynasty podcast (laughs) you uh you're definitely out there on the twitter streets fighting battles for the numbers uh not a lot of uh got that dog in them coming from your twitter account uh, which which we that love. That's the funniest line. I love that, that dog in them. <laughs> Shout out to the people who got that dog in them. Um, I use that unironically all the time because <laughs> it's my favorite line. So, and of course, we also have Billy, who is also an absolute genius. Uh, these two men are very intelligent human beings, and uh, I just pressed the button. So these two gentlemen are Billy's going to educate. Billy's got that dog in him, baby. <laughs> He's got Damn that dog great. in him. Um, look. Unbelievable. Uh, I I love that sentence. He's got that dog in him. It's one of my favorite. <laughs> We're kicking off. We did news and notes. We are going to go with Heisman Hail Mary. Uh, this is a bit of an over-under here. Lucas, take it away. All right. So on the over-under, we have been doing team win-losses. This week, coming to you with Heisman over-unders. And we are going to be doing Cameron Rising at plus 8,000. How do you all feel about that? Uh, yeah. So basically, you know, it, I was, you know, looking at the um, uh, Heisman odds, you know, obviously at the top, you've got uh, guys that are pretty much, you know, you could say are favorites, obviously. So like CJ Stroud and the Bryce Young, who obviously won it last year. Um, but the reason I put rising on here, I wanted to, you know, pick some of these guys with longer odds, like greater than pl- plus 5,000 odds. Um, he's an older guy. He's playing his fifth season for Utah this year. He was, he was a starter last year for the first time, uh, had a super efficient year. He completed 64% of his passes, uh, 
He only had 20 TDs, but um, he did finish sixth in the country in QBR, which is pretty incredible, and also added 500 yards on the ground um, and six TDs on the ground. Uh, and he was and he led that team to the Pac-12 title. Um, but like when I'm looking at the Heisman history and kind of the science of the Heisman winners, uh, just going back to 2010. So the last 12 winners, 10 of them have been quarterbacks. Um, and since the, since the institution of the college football playoff in 2014, seven of the eight winners have been on teams that made it to the college football playoff. So obviously people are saying, you know, Ohio State, Alabama are probably going to make the uh, college football playoff, which makes sense as to why their quarterbacks are plus 200, plus 400, respectively, for odds. Um but the last two teams, you know, are kind of a toss up. Everyone obviously expects Georgia to try and compete to be back there. Um, but, you know, Stetson Bennett isn't really a, you know, a video game numbers type guy in the past game. So he doesn't seem like a any sort of at risk to win the Heisman. Um, other guys from like the ACC who could potentially, you know, win that conference. You've got Tyler Van Dyke. You've got Devin Leary. Uh, you've got DJ Uyunglele, uh, and then from the Big 12, you've got Dylan Gabriel. They've all got favorable odds at plus 3,000. Uh, but then the Pac-12 really seems to be kind of like an open race. You know, everyone seems to think USC with Lincoln Riley and uh, Caleb Williams there, who has plus 600 odds to win the Heisman. Uh, I've already spoken at length about how I think USC is vastly overrated this year. And then Oregon, obviously, uh, they have Bo Nix, who, again, kind of uh, a bit of a game manager, not really going to break the stat book. And then there's Utah. Um, the Utes do have probably the toughest schedule in the Pac-12. They open against your Gators, John, in the Swamp, which is going to be a tricky game. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, Billy Napier's first game, there's probably going to be some jitters. Anthony Richardson's first game as a starter. Uh, you know, it's a new team. So I think that's a game that uh, an experienced team like Utah, you know, even them being on the road, it's going to be a crazy atmosphere. I think they could go in there and, you know, put up some points early and potentially win that game. And then obviously they have to play Oregon and USC later on in the season, which won't be easy. But uh, if they do run that table and Utah ends up winning the Pac-12 and makes the college football playoff, I think rising who is a, you know, super efficient quarterback who has the potential, I think to get, so last year he had 26 touchdowns. Their running back Tavian Thomas had 21 touchdowns total on the season on only 204 attempts just on the ground alone. So that's like over a 10% TD rate. So there's definitely going to be some regression there. And I think rising, if he can get like 10 or potentially even 12 of those touchdowns that Tavian Thomas was getting last year, an inch towards that 40 total touchdowns. And then, you know, like, obviously, like I said, Utah runs the table. I think he's in the mix for the Heisman. So at plus 8,000, I think that's a, that's a nice bet. Yeah. My fun fact of the day should have been that I drafted Cameron rising at 15, seven in my uh, C to C draft that I'm in right now. Nice. Uh, so I definitely am hoping that he ends up being the Heisman. Cause that would be amazing for my squad. <laughs> and actually, I mean, if, if there was a, a position that was lacking in uh on my team it would would be qb so him getting the heisman or even playing it somewhat of that level would be very nice uh but i mean i, I will admit like you know the 
the caveat here was that we were trying to pick somebody over, you know, plus 5,000. So, you know, we weren't able, like, we weren't picking any of like the, the obvious guys, obviously. So once we got into this range, it does get really tough. And I really don't mind having rising there. I think that he can take a step forward. Um, you know, if I remember correctly, last year was his first year starting. Um, he, I believe he went to the, the Manning Academy and, and, uh, and got uh, praise, you know, high praise there. So, you know, like there's reasons to believe that he could take a step forward. And then, you know, the, the TD regre- regression from the, the running game is a great point as well because, uh, you know, 10% touchdown rate for anyone is really damn high. So I, I do like that choice. Um, and then uh, I, I actually chose for mine and once again i i don't necessarily think this is going to happen but you know we're we're playing with uh with high odds here and i i said once again going to who who we think we are going to be in the college playoffs i went with the heisman winner trevion henderson and i think it could be kind of what you were just talking about what if he has one of those lucky years where he ends up getting like 25 touchdowns or, or something you know just everything works out to where like he had 15 rushing touchdowns last year what if he bumps that up to to 20 and then what if he gets like you know eight or or however many receiving touchdowns and it just works out that way um i don't think it's necessarily likely i don't even know how many running backs have actually gotten the heisman you know in the past decade or so (laughs) probably not that many but um i do believe in his talent and so you know whether or not he's heisman level you know, I guess is, is a completely different story, but I do know, I I do actually believe that he is probably the best running back talent in college right now. Yeah, that's not, yeah. I mean, you're not going out on a limb saying that either. He's, he's incredible. Um, And I, yeah, I think we're all on the same page that Ohio state's probably going to come out of the big 10 and make the college football playoffs. So if you can get anyone on that team, I think JSN's got some pretty long odds too. That's another guy who could, you know, maybe just be the beneficiary of that offense um, and just get a ton of touchdowns. I think he was right at plus plus 5,000. But um, so, like, I guess technically we could have chosen him or, like, it would have been cheating. I don't know. But regardless, you know, Devontae Smith was the first in, what, 20-something years to to win as a receiver. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to go with at least a little bit higher of a chance with Trevion there. (laughs) Right. With running back, you had Derrick Henry and then – Mark Ingram, all within like the last 15 years. So it's not as uncommon, I guess. Right. Exactly. And I, I mean, to, to throw out another name, and it's not someone that I actually believe in, but when I was looking at the list, it was probably the next believable name um, as far as who could actually do it. And it was Anthony Richardson. Um, right. I don't believe in his talent. I don't believe that he's going to take like a huge leap forward that people are talking about him becoming this, you know, top three QB in the class or anything like that. But we do know that he is going to run like hell and he has that like Cam Newton body style and, you know, and and, like he can take a beating and all that kind of stuff. So it wouldn't be that insane to be like, Oh, he had, you know, 1400 yards rushing or or something like that. And, you know, uh, 3000 passing and, and Florida did way better. I don't believe it. I don't think it's going to happen, but I guess that would be the 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 next most likely one, in my opinion. I'm surprised you don't know this, John, but the last time a running back won the Heisman was 2015, and one Derrick Henry won the Heisman with 378 first-place votes, 277 second-place votes, 144 third-place votes, votes, beating Christian McCaffrey by just under three 
hundred votes. To put that into perspective, the season he had to have to attain this was on a 14-1 and Alabama team that won the national championship, rushed for 2,219 yards, 28 touchdowns. Uh, that's the type of season you're going to need if you want to win the Heisman as a running back. I, I love it. I love that you brought it up. And uh, I did know that he won it. I did not know that he was the last one to win. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up. So, you know, I, uh, you know, we talked about that. And I think, you know, those are probably like two of the the more realistic ones, even though I don't think that they're they're all that realistic. But, you know, that's why we're betting plus 8,000. You know, you're betting 100 bucks and getting eight grand. You know, you're feeling pretty good at the end of the day. But the main part of tonight is we're going to get into some uh, Big Ten and Pac-12 previews. I don't know if Tommy T and Lucas have another break for us before we get into that or not. We do have another clip from last week's episode. When we come back, it is preview time. There's a phrase that um, I believe it, it started as from Jordan McNamara, but a lot of people have said it now, which is don't buy wide receivers on credit. This is something that I've I very newly brought in my I like strategy. That. I would not have done this like a year ago. But don't buy wide receivers on credit essentially means like don't pay future draft picks for future wide receiver production. Right. So when we think about the what is the value oh, of an AJ I Brown like that. Or whoever. We can use any wide receiver. Let I'll use AJ Brown, right? His his total value is an amalgamation of what we think he's gonna do this current year and then what we think he's going to do in the future years. That was Jacob on our episode on VORP, which you can go and catch over at the True North Fantasy Football YouTube page, the Full Tilt Fantasy YouTube page, and you can also go to truenorthffb.com backslash full tilt to get the full episode. Uh, I learned a lot. What's next, gentlemen? All right, so we have, uh, let's go ahead and start off with our Big Ten preview, uh, probably the more exciting one, <laughs> at least a little bit here. Uh, we just got done talking last week or, or last show about how, you know, the Pac-12 is kind of dying, but, you know, I guess we've had a little bit of news since then that, you know, like the there, there could be some merging and, and things going on, you know, but we, once again, we'll wait and see what actually happens with all that, but Andy. Why don't you go ahead and start us off with your favorite Debbie prospect for 2022 from the Big Ten? Yeah, so I, I put this in our show sheet too. Like the word favorite was open to interpretation. Uh, so I took a homer pick here and went with my uh, boy from Wisconsin, Braylon Allen. Or I should say man from Wisconsin now that it, he's no longer only 17 years old, which we uh, heard a million times last season. Uh, but he's a uh, true sophomore. Derrick Henry sized beast at 6'2, 240 pounds, 1200 total yards last year with 12 TDs. Um, but he's really only the primary running back for them in, I would say, nine games and only eclipsed 20 carries in, uh, I believe, four of those games. Uh, he does have an expensive price tag right now. He's at an ADP of 12, I believe, last time I checked, which is RB5. So he's a first round draft pick in some of your drafts here. Um, so I'm not necessarily advocating you draft him there especially if my guy nick singleton's available definitely take him um but he could easily be a top five debbie pick next year uh if he can show us some sort of receiving floor i think that's the big problem uh as of right now he only had about a two percent 
uh, reception yard market share as a freshman, which, you know, that's basically nothing. If he can get that number closer to like 5%, which isn't asking a lot, especially in the Wisconsin offense, that's only like, you know, maybe a hundred yards receiving. Uh, <laughs> it's a little more than that, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, and the rushing volume I think is going to increase because Ches Malusi, uh, who was kind of the one B slash one a, I guess, depending on what game you're looking at uh, running back for them last year, he's still recovering from an ACL tear. So I think uh, Braylon could be in for a monster year. I definitely agree. And I have him as my Debbie running back five. So I, I'm, I'm right there with you or, you know, maybe even ahead of you, depending on what, you know, what you said, I, right. uh, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, it might be a little risky with the guy that transitioned from linebacker and, and, you know, doesn't really have the receiving profile, but we just got done talking or Tommy T got done talking about how much I love Derrick Henry. And I guess he was like a very similar comp uh, here, at least, you know, looking pretty close. So right. I, you know, it, and, and I was in my ranking doesn't have to do with my love for Derrick Henry. It, like he, he's doing a lot of the things that I like, you know, with we've talked about in the past, like breakaway run rate and stuff like that. Um, you know, points per touch, PPR points per touch, um, you know, just, being a baller <laughs> like in yeah. general. And so, you know, some guys, yeah, you know, like we can always work on the receiving part of the game. Maybe that's not going to be part of his game, but some guys are just that damn good. And he seems to be that kind of guy. Fun fact, his 24 seven profile still has him listed as a linebacker. So that's a fun <laughs> <That's>... thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember being in a chat. Algier. <laughs> right. I remember being in a, in a chat last year, a group chat, and uh, there were some Debbie boys talking about him, and and uh, somebody was like, "Oh, should I trade away uh, Braylon Allen for for this player?" And I, I wish I could remember who the player was, and I just remember them talking about how he was a linebacker and he was a convert, and you know, just they didn't trust him and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying they were wrong not to trust it, but you know, now that's got to they got to be kicking themselves at this point, <laughs> right? We have a quick question here from the chat. Andy hopping in like he does. Shout out, Andy. We love you. Henry is one uh, – is a, oh, my God, I butchered that. I'm so sorry. Henry is a once-in-a-lifetime running back. Is there a risk of every bigger back being comped there when a lot of them end up like Lendale White? We'll start with Andy Starr. Well, I'll just say Lendale White had like a season and a half of like decent NFL production. So, I mean, it's not the – if you get an RB – two or every one season out of a guy uh you know obviously if you're taking him in the first round you'd expect a little bit more but yeah i think that is the risk here and and if if he does end up being lendale white then you're kind of you know sinking some cost there uh like i said if he can get five percent market share in that receiving game i think that's gonna leave a lot of people feeling a little bit more comfortable with him um and it's not going to take much like Wisconsin doesn't run a very complicated offense. Like all he needs to do is run a few screen plays. He doesn't need to like have a positive a dot or anything. He can just, you know, get some of those short catches and turn them into some, you know, seven, eight yard gains. He's going to, you know, that's all you really ask out of the guy. And it's not, it's not a complicated thing, but some guys just don't do it. Um, and it's not, a lot of people think, Oh, Wisconsin never uses their running backs in the passing game. But, you know, you look at Melvin Gordon and Jonathan Taylor, those guys didn't have huge reception numbers, but they had that market share percentage that, you know, was above 5%, uh, which, you know, 
you need to sort of feel comfortable. And like, it, like I said, this is the Wisconsin offense. It doesn't need to be a huge total because they really don't pass the ball that much. Yeah. And, and I, I, I actually, that's why I kind of like said that I didn't, I wasn't making my ranking on Braylon Allen because of Derrick Henry or even my opinion or whatever. Like everything I do ranking wise is at least based off of my model. And, you know, that's just looking at the, the, the metrics. There's no biases involved or anything like that. So that's why I kind of wanted to mention that because I don't, even as much as I love Derrick Henry, I'm not comping him to Derrick Henry. And in fact, like I'm, I, I was not make I didn't have a model back then and maybe I could go back and, and add Henry into the model just to see like where he would end up being. I have a feeling he would be much higher than, than Braylon Allen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I have a feeling that he would be much higher than uh, Braylon Allen. And so like I I have Braylon Allen at five, but that doesn't you know, like that's he's not in the same tier as Bijan, Travion Henderson, you know, like those guys. Um he's right. not even in the same tier as, as Jameer Gibbs and, and you know, players like that. So I have him in tier three. I like the player a lot. I think he's going to be a quality NFL running back. I don't think he's the 101 in 2023 drafts or anything like that, you know? No. I just want to point out uh, after what Andy said about Lindell White and how you're happy with that, his best season is arguably 2008 where he rushed for 773 yards and 15 touchdowns, and he only hauled in five receptions putting him below Damian Harris territory in points per game. And his next season was 1,110 yards with only seven touchdowns and 20 receptions. Again, putting him in hella low RB2 territory. <laughs> I believe it is a risk with bigger backs. Fun facts. Yeah, but I also think that, that you know there's something to be said about him transitioning from linebacker to running back, that there's a lot of room for him to grow. And so while we can't guarantee it's going to happen, I think you have to give him the benefit of the doubt. And that's what I'm doing at this point. I mean, I, I'll just jump. I mean, teams need RB2s as well, right? You need to have those quality flex plays. It's, you, you can't have all studs here, right? And obviously you're not going to hit on every single player. And I don't, I, I hate to be the guy that's like defending Braylon Allen. I love him because he's from Wisconsin, but you know, if, if, if you get like a good quality, you know, thousand yard season, 15 touchdown season back to back like that, I think you're pre- pretty happy with a pick at the back of the first round there, you know, Hindside, worse things could definitely happen. Hindsight is always 2020, but we're learning stuff here today. And that's what it's all about. Gentlemen, what is up next? All right, so I guess we'll go ahead and dive into my favorite for uh, for the Big Ten. And it's somebody we talked about recently, and it was Blake Corum. And I feel like, you know, I didn't necessarily go with the homer pick like, <laughs> like you did. Um, you know, I, I just I wanted to go with somebody I felt like was being undervalued, but also I have highly ranked. Um, and so, like, I that's why I went ahead and chose Blake Corum. I don't think he's the best player in the Big Ten or anything like that. So, like you said, there's there's a little bit of, like, ambiguity with uh, the, the word favorite. But um, I think he's my favorite player to draft at value. And so that's kind of why, why I went with him. And to, if you ask me, like, his only knock is height. Like, I don't – I can't find another knock that people have for him besides the fi- fact that he's 5'8". Um, and we – on my other podcast, the Debbie devotional, we recently talked uh, with Brandon Lejeune and he was talking about how, you know, he did a whole film series on uh, Donovan Edwards and he just doesn't believe he has vision. And you know, he like, obviously it's something he can work on and get better. But as a freshman, he just really didn't have like what you would want to see from like a workhorse back. And so, 
you know, we look at like what Hassan Haskins did last year. He had almost 1,500 scrimmage yards. So if we assume that Donovan Edwards is going to take a step forward, I think we can also assume that Blake Corum is going to take a step forward and they can both do well. I'm not saying that, you know, like, and I, I talked in, you know, a previous pod that I have them back to back in my rankings. Like, I'm not truly saying one's going to be that much better than the other, but I don't think a lot of people have it that way. And so, um, you know, when it's all said and done, I think that they can both take a step forward, but I really do think that Blake Corum is the better running back as is right now. It's just that he's 5'8", you know, but the thing is he has a 30.44 BMI. So it's not like he's this teeny tiny guy or anything. Meanwhile, Donovan Edwards has a 27.42 BMI. So the only thing that he has going for him is that he's six feet tall, but he doesn't have the, at least as a freshman or going into a sophomore year, he doesn't have that frame or that build quite yet. He could, you know, work his way into it. And I'm not freaking out about it, obviously, or I wouldn't have him directly behind Corum. But I just think when it's all said and done, you're looking at a guy that averaged 98 scrimmage, excuse me, scrimmage yards per game last year, 1.2 PPR points per touch. And once again, that was with Hassan Haskins having 1,500 scrimmage yards and, and doing what he did as well and getting drafted, you know, albeit late, but getting drafted in the NFL. He's going off the board as the running back uh, 18 in June ADP and 55th overall. And I just... I, I have him a lot higher than that. So, you know, what do you think about Quorum and, and how do you feel about me having him as my favorite player here? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, we, when was it a couple shows ago? Yeah, I'm on record. I'm with you. I think Quorum is the safer play in that Michigan backfield. Um, I think the price is, you know, fine for him. It's not like egregious. You're not over, you know, it's not like you're paying, spending a second round pick on him or anything. So I, yeah. And like what you mentioned, the BMI, which I think is probably more important for a running back um, than just height. I think BMI is more important than height. Um, and he's a better peer runner. Like we we talked about on the show, he's he's more capable runner. The only thing that people lean on with Donovan Edwards is that his receiving ability, which is propped up by that 10 reception game against Maryland. So who has, you know, one of the, I think their past defense was ranked like a hundredth. So yeah, I'm, I'm not in on Donovan Edwards yet. He's, he's got a, the five-star pedigree, which obviously people love to see. Um, but you know, I'm going to talk about another guy who coming up here, this five-star take lock happens quite a bit in the Debbie game where like, Oh, it's going to happen this year. People think this it's going to happen this year. And you know, if you can get out ahead of it before people start to realize that those guys are swings and misses, then you should be doing that. But um, you know, Donovan Edwards could still hit. I'm not saying like he's he's a bust already or anything, but I'm I'm with you that I think Corum is the safer pick. And since I'm obligated to tell talk about uh how much I hate Tank Bigsby on every single podcast that I do, um, I'm gonna go ahead and just say that he's my favorite. Uh Blake Corum is my favorite because I have him over Tank Bigsby, uh, which is probably a pretty hot take for most people. <laughs> That's pretty spicy. Yeah, uh, that's why that's why I wanted to mention it because well, I also have to bring up Tank on every single pod that I do. But <laughs> why don't we why don't we go ahead and get into our uh, our our player that we think will gain value, our riser of the Big Ten? Uh, who do you got? So I went way down the ADP list here, and I look I was looking at Chase Brown, running back out of Illinois, uh, fifth year senior, uh, just barely eclipsed a thousand yards last year. Uh, but he does have some pass catching ability with a seven and a half percent reception market share. 
only had five TDs, uh, but I'm in of the belief that he's going to have a positive regression there. Uh, he only had a 3% TD rate, uh, which is pretty low. He does share the backfield with a bowling ball in Josh McCray, 240-pound beast who also had over 100 carries. Uh, but Brown is obviously the more dynamic runner. You know, obviously McCray is this big bruiser. Um, and I think the most important thing for the offense is they got a QB upgrade with Tommy DeVito, uh, Syracuse transfer. Now, DeVito is not like an elite quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, but he's at least had a full season where he's completed more than 60% of his passes, which I can't say the same about uh, Illinois' quarterback for the last three years, Brandon Peters. So I do think the offense as a whole uh, will be better and more likely to score more than only 24 TDs, which is all they scored last in the entire season, which I talked about like Tavian Thomas, the running back for Utah had 21 last year by himself. So 24 is pretty anemic as far as offenses are concerned. Um, And if he, you know, he's been improving every single year. And I think, uh, you know, if he keeps showing that uh, he can, carry the load. I think he's a, has a chance to be a day three pick uh, in next year's draft, which isn't, doesn't sound like amazing or anything, but where he's getting drafted outside of, I think he's ADP's 208 right now, uh, RB 74. So basically undrafted, he's more of a C2C guy. Um, But I think he, he could end up garnering some NFL value if he gets put in the right situation. Yeah, I like it. I I was playing. I want to say like I was trying to go out of my way to get Chase uh, in my C to C draft that's going on right now. But I was kind of looking at him, you know, considering him, you know, during certain rounds, and he ended up going before I was willing to take him. But I ended I ended up taking Josh McCray. So maybe I do have a problem <laughs> with these big boys. But it's. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I just wanted to get a piece of uh, of that offense because you know I, I like you said I, I do think that they could take a step forward. Obviously injuries can happen, and if an injury did happen to Chase, then McCray could take a step forward. But. You know, Chase was a better running back last year. Like it's just, there's no doubt about it. Um, now, obviously, he was a senior compared to I believe a sophomore for uh, for McCray or maybe even a freshman. But you know, like he might not be able to necessarily compare the players per se. But you know, at the same time, I'd say Chase is probably the better player, the better choice at this point. And like you said, going as late as he's going, I you know I definitely love the fact that he could gain some value because. Um, he had what, like a thousand yards or something like that. Like if, if he could take a step forward, get into like 12, 13, 1400 yards and, you know, multiple touchdowns and all that kind of stuff. I think he can at least rise a little bit, get into that like 50 range, get into, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth round pick, that kind of thing. And at least he's getting drafted. So I I like the pick. I, I have no issues with it whatsoever. Let's go ahead and dive into mine now. And uh, it's a player that I've talked about on a lot of pods. I don't know if I've talked about it on, on this pod or, or not. Uh, you can remind me if I have Andy, but it's Dante Damas. And I love me some, I would say Damas. I think some other people say Demas. I don't know. It, I don't even know what it is. I don't care. All I know is the dude's a baller. And like he broke out as a sophomore with a 31.4% uh, market share in that offense. Then 2020 happened. And they only played five games. He didn't do all that much. He had 325 yards and three touchdowns, I think it was. But, you know, small sample. God only knows what could have happened that year had they actually played a full season. And then in 2021, unfortunately, we have a small sample again, except for this time he completely blew the hell up and had, uh, 
what, what 507 yards and three touchdowns in five games before he had a disgusting knee injury. Don't watch the video um, if you're squeamish because it's it's pretty gross. But I kind of thought he was done at that point. Like I thought he might actually retire from from football and everything. But everything I've seen and read and heard is saying that he's going to be back and he's going to be back fully healthy. Um, and I've also heard from multiple people in the industry that they think that Damus would have been a first round pick had he not gotten hurt last year. So uh, while that might not necessarily be the case anymore, I think he can be a day two guy, you know, at the very least. And so, you know, I feel like he's being kind of forgotten because he's going off the boards as the wide receiver 49 in June ADP. And uh, just to put it in perspective, I have him as my wide receiver 21. So <laughs> I have him substantially higher. And I think that, you know, he can, like I said, I mean, at the very least, I think he could be a third round pick in this upcoming draft, assuming health and all that. Like, I guess we can never, you know, guarantee anything with an injury of, of that nature. It could very well, you know, just be something he never quite comes back from. But I'm hearing good things. And so I love the player and I'm just going to hope for the best at this point. Uh, for the record, you have not talked about Dante Dimas on this yes. pod, but I have before you graced us with your uh, college football <laughs> brilliance a couple weeks ago. Uh, yes. And I basically said exactly the same thing you did. Um, first round pick, potentially, I think Sports Illustrated, a few people have already done their way too soon mock drafts and he's he's there. He's a top, potentially a top 20 pick. Um, and yeah, I mean... I think it was our second or third show. I, I talked about, you know, how ridiculous his yards per team pass attempt were, uh, his market share. Uh, he's in the same uh, receiving group as another guy I'm going to talk about here shortly. Um, that, and, you know, who probably should be considered better than him, but Dante Dimas has shown time and time again that he's the best receiver there. Um, and yeah, the, obviously the big question marks the knee and if he's going to be able to run on that. Um, because I was talking to big wide receiver guy who works over at campus to Canton. He's, he's had him clocked at, uh, 21 and a half miles per hour, which equates to basically sub four, five, uh, pretty reliably. So he's going to be, he's a speedster. Um, but yeah, the big question mark is, is can he recover from that horrific knee injury, which you're not exaggerating when you say that it's disgusting. (laughs) <laughs> it was bad. Um, I can't remember his name right now. It was Zach Thomas for the Bears that uh, that had a very similar injury, and he basically retired after that. So we're Zach maybe Miller. He's lucky. Zach Miller. Thank you. Thank you. I knew it was Zach, but uh, yeah. So I I think that uh, he's probably lucky that he's young. Maybe it wasn't nearly as bad. Um, somebody somewhere. I, don't, I can't remember if I heard it on a pod or whatever, said it was only an ACL tear. And that would be the wildest thing I've ever seen if it ended up only being an ACL tear. I cannot imagine that's actually the case, the way that I that I, I saw what I saw. Uh, but enough about Damus here. I, uh, I think we need to get into the players that we think are going to lose value. We're probably going a little long here, and so we'll go yeah. a little quicker with, with the Pac-12 guys. But why don't you go over who we think are going to lose value real quick before we jump well, this into is- there. This is a good segue because we just talked about Demas. So the guy that I think is going to lose value is Rakeem Jarrett. Uh, he's just simply underwhelmed as the five-star coming into Maryland in 2020. He hasn't had a season with over two yards per task, two yards per team pass attempt yet. His weighted dominators only been around 20% last season and his freshman year, despite Demas 
missing more than half of those games last year. And he's just not going above and beyond like what you'd expect a top 10 player from his position, which is where he's getting drafted right now. ADP 29 wide receiver nine. Uh, So you you expect more from him, especially a five-star guy who's going to a, I guess, quote unquote, smaller school in Maryland. He should at the very least be commanding 30% market share in his second season. Um, And I talked about take lock earlier with five stars. This is a, this is a bad case of take lock. It's not as bad as Julian Fleming from Ohio State. People were still drafting him high last year when he did absolutely nothing. Jared's at least put some stats in the books, but uh, I think he's locked in as a day three pick right now, unless he really just explodes next year. Um, And that's even if he decides to go pro next year, which I think there's a chance that he doesn't even do that. Yeah, I agree. I have him behind Damus. I, I, I've always had him behind there. And, and I remember talking to uh, to some people, you know, talking about uh, Damus and Rakeem Jarrett. And people were saying, oh, well, you know, Jarrett's just going to take over. And, you know, like Damus is going to be an afterthought. And that never happened. Like even after he got hurt. It was still it was still Damus. So I I agree with you 100. percent I'm much lower on Raheem Jarrett. He's going. I, I just did a, a Debbie mock with the uh, the Debbie Royale boys, and uh, I want to say that he went in like the second round. And I was like, nope, not doing that. <laughs> but I'm gonna go over my faller very quickly so we can get into the the Pac-12 boys. And it's Marvin Harrison Jr. This is not me saying that he's terrible. It is not me saying that he's bad by any means. Please do not turn off the pod. Please do not turn off your, <laughs> oh, your phone or anything like that. Um, I think that I think that obvi- obviously JSN is better, and I think that Egbuka is better. So when it's all said and done, I think he's going to be the third receiving back or receiving back the re- third receiver on this team. And um, the small sample that we have from last year. Everyone seems to be kind of focused on the like the multi touchdown game, and like that's why they think he's going to be a stud. But don't chase touchdowns. Like we say that on like every pod I've ever been on. Like don't chase touchdowns. Chase like you know what they're you know, chase the metrics. Chase what they're actually doing. Very and what, very uh, uh, relevant. Gabe Davis take there, John. Ooh, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> but what we. But what we do know is, you know, like I've talked about it on, on other pods is, you know, like even simple stats like like yards per reception can tell us a story of who a player is. And if you look at Marvin Harrison Jr., he had, uh, um, what was it, 12.6 yards per reception in that offense. I, I think that's right. And uh, it was the lowest of like any of the receivers last year. And, you know, even though it was a small sample – I think that's kind of who he is. I don't think he's an explosive receiver. I don't think he's going to be this, you know, this, this uh, like game-changing player. So if the only thing that people have is that he gains some weight and that he's going to be a big body, well, I'm sorry, but JSN and Ibuka are just going to run all over that. So, you know, you look at Ibuka who had like 20.9 yards per reception. And once again, a small sample. I'm not expecting that to continue. But just think about in a very similar situation – you had almost a 10 yards per reception difference for, for these players. And I just feel like one is so much more explosive and exciting than the other that when it's all said and done, Harrison could fall a little bit. And, you know, cause he's going as like wide receiver six or something like that right now. So I just feel like he could be, you know, wide receiver 10 or, or, you know, something around there when it's all said and done, I'm not saying he's going to be like wide receiver 50 or anything like that. So everyone take a deep breath. Everyone calm down. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm with you with Ibuka being better. Um, 
you know, Booker can play anywhere on the field. He's a better yak guy. Um, Marvin Harrison's probably faster. Uh, he can get down the field better, but he still did. I mean, like you said, it's a limited sample size. His eight out was still under 10 yards last year. So, but yeah, it's Ohio state. You want their starting receivers. They've got like 55 stars there. So anyone that's starting for Ohio state as a receiver is probably going to go pro and be a, a day one or two draft pick. So yeah, easily. Yeah. Yeah. I just think he's going to fall a little bit. And when you're talking about right. like the top five picks, then falling to eight is a pretty substantial difference, you know, or something like that. So, um, yeah. you know, it, it sounds crazy, but I'm just talking about I'm dropping a little bit. Nothing, nothing too wild. <laughs> but let's go ahead and dive into the Pac-12 preview and let's do this quickly because, uh, yeah, we, we don't have a lot of time left. Do we have another break here? Good for time. Go ahead. Ooh, we're good for time. Okay, so let's go ahead and uh, and dive into. I'll, I guess I'll go ahead and start since I had you start on all of them for the for the Big Ten there, and I'll start with my uh, favorite Debbie prospect, and it is actually Zach Charbonnet. Um, I really feel like he should have come out last year. I don't know why he didn't. I, I maybe because of the transfer and everything. Like the teams were saying, like we need to see another year of it. But when you look at like the numbers that he put up and the running back class that we had, it was like he could have easily been, you know, like in the mix there at the very least, you know, probably better than an Isaiah Spiller when it was all said and done as far as like draft capital and, and stuff like that. So I, I kind of question that if he thought he could better it or if like the NFL teams were telling him not to do it. But he has great size. He breaks off big runs like a 7.6 percent big time run rate. Uh, he showed his abilities in the receiving game. He had over 20 uh, receptions last year, you know, once he got over to UCLA. And he averaged 110 scrim yards per game. You know, obviously, the knocks are he's a senior, you know, he's transferred and and, and things like that. But I think he's going to take another step forward this year. You know, they're talking about big things going on in the offense. They're talking about him taking a step forward as a player. And so when it's all said and done, you know, while he's not going to be the top tier or anything like that. I, I do think that he can easily be in the mix for a draftable running back. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I don't know why he, you know, when guys like Brian Robinson were getting drafted on day two, you wonder like, why is Zach Charbonnet not here? Um, you know, he's clearly better than a lot of these guys, at least, you know, I, we think that, but uh, I guess that kind of, you know, put question marks in my mind about him. I think he's obviously going to have a great season this year. There's no more Britain Brown there. Uh, he's going to get the bulk of the carries. Um, but I, I, I'll be honest, I just recently traded him in a campus Canton league. I got Kadarius Tony for him, which, you know, Kadarius Tony's not anything great. But uh, I just, the the way that this running back class is stacked this year for 2023 with Bijan and Zach Evans, and I, you hate Tank Bigsby, but, you know, Sean Tucker, uh, J- Jameer Gibbs, you know, Best case scenario, you know, Charbonnet's RB5, I think, you know, depending on you know, maybe he has a huge season. But, um, yeah, I, he's a he's a great player, I think. Uh, another previous five-star, too. Um, but, yeah, I think he probably should have just came out this year. But m- maybe yeah. there was agents or scouts saying, you know, you need to wait and get do another year. So I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, and just for perspective, because it was it was kind of tough making these choices for the Pac-12. I don't know about you, but i <laughs> i didn't I didn't really fall in love with a lot of these players. Um, no, but so like he's my RB twenty nine. 
uh, in Debbie. Yeah. So, like, I'm not saying that oh, wow. I absolutely love Zach Charbonnet. I'm just saying that for the Pac-12, I guess he's my favorite player. <laughs> That's I just, pretty I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't have a lot of players that I love uh, for for the Pac-12. Unfortunately, yeah, I think I'd even have him a little higher than RB29. Just, but. Maybe not that. Yeah, much I just I've moved I've moved quite a bit of you know quite a few of of the younger players ahead of him and, and things that like like you said it, he he seems to just have kind of missed his his time you know like he should have come out this year and he didn't and so now he probably screwed himself uh, so right. I think he can get drafted I I like the player for C to C purposes I think he's going to be a pretty great player this year but uh, yeah I I don't know that he's going to get like this amazing draft capital because. There's just going to be too many too many bodies to, to fill, too many teams to fill, like that kind of thing. All right, well, I'll take it over then for my favorite player who you completely stabbed me in the back and took the same guy as your guy who's going to lose value, <laughs> which I'm sure you all... I wasn't sure if you saw about. that or not. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I went with Cameron Ward. Uh, again, we're taking the word favorite uh, pretty loosely here and interpreting it how we'd like. Uh, so I chose Ward because I think he's just going to be a ton of fun to watch next year. Uh, not going to go too deep in the stats. I think we've touched on that in the show previously. Uh, but this entire situation just kind of has shades of like Western Kentucky last year with Bailey Zappi, where the QB, the wide receiver, the head coach all make the FCS to FBS jump together and dominate. And that formula obviously worked for Western Kentucky and Zappi who Zappi ends up breaking like every FBS touchdown record, gets drafted in the fourth round against uh, ahead of stud quarterback Sam Howell, who just ruined my life last year. But uh, I still believe I still believe Sam Howell has a chance. Uh, too soon. Too soon. I know. Uh, but so, Ward, so with Zappi, I think what had a lot of people excited is he played some FBS schools before he made the jump while he was at uh, – I forget where Zappy went previously when he was in FCS, but Ward, while he was at Incarnate Word last year, did play Texas State, which isn't like the cream of the crop for FBS, but he did end up beating that school, which anytime an FCS school beats FBS, that's kind of a big upset, um, or at least an upset, I would think. Uh, he threw for 376 yards and four touchdowns in that game, and I just think the offense is going to be a ton of fun to watch. They're going to put up some crazy numbers, uh, so I'm all aboard it the train here even as this adp it's been going up 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 ever since you know people get more and more familiar with it i think his adp's 61 qb 13 right now um i think i have a little bit higher than that i last rankings i did i had him you know just inside my top 10 qbs i I think he's just gonna put up some crazy video game numbers yeah i think i think that's the problem is it's not necessarily the player it's not necessarily like what he's going to do this year or anything like that it's just the adp it's getting wild for me i like if we're talking about campus to canton once again then that's completely different like he's gonna put up some probably pretty you know prolific numbers but i don't like i don't trust taking that step like yeah bailey zappy did that doesn't mean every fcs quarterback's gonna you know take a step forward and and you know go into the pac-12 and and do it now the pac-12 is the pac-12 you know we don't expect them to have amazing defenses or anything like that but you know i still think when i'm looking for somebody to be like be that guy that's going to take that step from fcs to fbs i want him to have put up like literally amazing numbers and in fcs and he put up like good numbers in fcs like if you look at it he threw the ball 590 times 
there's not too many QBs that even do that in college right now. You know, like uh, CJ Stroud threw 441 times last year. Uh, Bryce Young threw 530. So, you know, you're talking about an extra 60 pass attempts, almost like a game or two more than what those boys uh, threw. And they were in bowl games and stuff like that. So I wonder, you know, like how many more games were even involved in those stats. But, uh, you know, the, the yards per attempt weren't that high. Like the only thing that he really had was he had a, a pretty decent uh, touchdown to, to interception rate, which I'll give him. You know, at least he's safe with the ball. Like no issues with that. I just wonder how much that that the step forward is going to take, and then you know, like is, are his numbers going to drop because of that? Being that he's not like this amazing prolific passer at the lower level. You know, if he drops, if he's throwing seven yards a pass in Pac-12, like that's nothing. You know, like that's that's not somebody that we're going to be overly excited about for uh, for for Devi purposes, for drafting. You know, in the NFL and things like that. So, it's not necessarily that I hate the player. I just think that it's get the the hype's getting a little too wild <laughs> when it's all said and done. And we and that's my follower, like he already talked talked about. So we don't have to talk about my follower anymore. I just think that. He's he's at QB thirteen right now in ADP. Um, you know, Andy has him a little bit higher than that. Even I'm sure. Like uh, I I just uh, talked with uh, Du Bois on uh, Kevin uh, Coleman from Debbie Royale, and and he uh, he just drafted or he drafted Cameron Ward in our C to C league, and you know he drafted him pretty early. I I'll have to go back and look at like what QB actually drafted him at, but it, it was fairly early. Now it's the campus to Canton, so like it's a little different because he's actually going to get those points and and all that kind of stuff. But I just right. think that it, it's the, the hype's getting a little too wild there. Yeah, it's understandable. Yeah, so why don't we go ahead and get into uh, the player that we think will lose value, which obviously. Uh, or no, sorry, gain value. <laughs> the player that we think will gain value. Obviously, we just talked about my player that we that nice I think save. lose. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and so I, I started off with the favorite. Why don't you go ahead and, and start us off here, buddy? All right. So I initially was going to go with seven McGee here, wide wide receiver converted from running back out of Oregon, but I made a last second audible. Um, I'm going with Travis Dye, who used to play at Oregon last year. Uh, he had a 64% backfield dominator a season ago with Oregon, and he's shown improvement every year since he came in in, in 2018. So obviously this is going to be his fifth season, transferred to USC. Um, he's going to be playing in that Lincoln-Riley system as the presumed RB1, and I think that's just going to vault him up these draft boards. Um, you know, he had 1,200 yards, 16 touchdowns a season ago with 400 receiving yards uh, and two TDs to go with that taking over for the previous Debbie darling there, CG, CJ Verdell, uh, who obviously had some injuries issues and whatnot. Um, but like I said, big threat in the receiving game. He's had two seasons above a 10% reception market share. Um, his biggest knock is his size. He's only 5'10", 190 pounds, um, which is probably going to be a deal breaker for some NFL teams. But at his ADP of 178 RB62, I'm definitely willing to take the risk because his analytic profile is is there. Aside from the early declare, you know, obviously this is going to be his fifth season, which you don't really worry about too much with running backs. Like running backs can stay and be fine. Um, you know, he's he's got the numbers, the receiving numbers. He's got the backfield dominator numbers. He's just lacking that size. He's going to be playing for an elite team. I think he could, you know, potentially sneak into the back end of the third round next year. 
Yeah, I like it. I mean, like you said, he had prolific numbers at Oregon, and uh, you know, it's not unbelievable to think that he can continue that at at USC. Um, I know he was he was picked for the Doak Walker Award watch list, and you know, I I guess that's not like necessarily saying he's going to be a stud or anything like that, but you know, it just means that people are keeping an eye on on him and and kind of think the same way that you, that you're thinking, and so. Uh, did you mention his ADP or, or, or his ranking? Yeah, yeah. RB62, uh, ADP is 178. So basically undrafted yeah. in Debbie. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he can definitely rise pretty easily. And the, we see that all the time, you know, moving from, you know, certain teams to other teams, especially like somebody that's getting all of the fanfare that USC is getting right now. You can easily get into more into the spotlight and then, you know, get. A pretty big gain in value there. I mean, even when you're when you're that low, if he jumps from 62 to 42, like that's still a pretty substantial jump there, you know. Right. So that brings me to mine. And honestly, I'm I'm not gonna lie. Like I said, I didn't fall in love with any of these players. Uh, so I'm not trying to act like that. This is like my favorite guy or anything like that. But I I chose Taj Washington, another USC player, and I think that he. Um, he he's being he was being hyped in the spring by Lincoln Riley talking about how he was one of the most improved players um, in, at least in the spring and saying his suddenness and playmaking ability were apparent. Uh, he was an extremely hard worker. He's raw as a player, but rapidly rapidly improving. So those are things that I like to hear from a coach. And the thing is, it's not just like some random you know freshman that we're just hoping he's going to get better or whatever he he had 602 yards 54 receptions and, and and a touchdown last year you know which was second on the team now he played more games than uh gary bryant and obviously uh drake london as well so i'm not saying that he's going to be this like stud he's not going to take over for mario williams and jordan addison i don't see that in you know in his future but if we're expecting that offense to be amazing and, and to take this huge step forward, they have opportunity for another receiver. And I think he could be that third receiver. And so right now, the reason why I chose him as my riser is because he's going as the wide receiver 116 in Debbie. So, uh, you know, like the, he could basically catch two balls and just about rise in, in the rankings. Uh, I kind of like took, took the easy way out here, but I do actually believe in the player. Like I think he could be drafted at some point. It's probably going to be pretty damn late. Um, but he, he showed ability on not the best offense last year. So, you know, I, I liked what I saw last year. And then the fact that Lincoln Riley's already talking about him possibly being a, a playmaker and stuff like that. I think he has an opportunity to, you know, be more in the limelight this year. Yeah, I'll just start by saying I loved Taj Washington last year. I thought he was amazing when he was at Memphis. And then he announced that he was transferring to USC, and I I loved him even more. Uh, I figured, okay, he's going to fill in for that. I'm on a St. Brown role who, you know, had just left for the NFL. Um, Drake London obviously ended up taking a ton of the targets there. Um, but Taj had a great season. Uh, and – you know, he could be the third receiver there. You might be right. Uh, but it could also be Gary Bryant. It could also be Jerry Rice's son, Brendan Rice. Yeah. Uh, like Kevin's saying in the chat right now, there's like 50 receivers. He's saying <laughs> there's 22 wide receivers on the depth chart. It's, there's a, it's there's a ton of guys. So, you know, it's a, it's like you said, the ADP is like nothing. So you're not really gambling that much. Um, 
and it's going to be a high volume offense because I imagine they're going to their defense is going to be giving up points left and right. So, uh, you know, if you can get a piece of the pie anywhere, I guess you know try and go for it. Uh, but you know, I'm not. I don't have too much faith in Taj Washington right now, which <laughs> disappoints me because I really, really loved him last year. Yeah, and I mean, it's probably more of a C to C play than than Debbie, honestly. But I just, I really struggled as I was looking through the ranks and seeing like who I actually thought was going to rise in value. Like I have a lot of players. I'm looking, and I, there was probably five players in a row where I'm like, all right, I have him here. Let me look at ADP, and there were even (laughs) I can't really say that I feel like he's gonna rise you know so it it just really was really tough the way that it worked out not to say that I don't like certain players but um yeah so I went with Taj here actually I think he might still be available in that C2C that Kevin is in so I might have just screwed myself although it sounds like he's not the biggest believer either so I'll probably be okay It's okay. Actually, I, I'm up. I'm on the clock as we speak, and I have two picks in a row, so maybe I'll just go ahead and take Taj right now. Better grab him. I'm about to. <laughs> it would be John holding up the show, or holding up a draft, to do a pod. It's very much like you. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they they said they like added me and said, hey, you, you know, you're on the clock, and he's got that dog in him. I love it. <laughs> uh, but he, Shout uh, out. Yeah, they added me and said, I'm, you know, I'm on the clock, and I'm like, boys, I'm on a pod. Uh, so well, I guess we but, could jump into players that we think are going to lose value, and I'll just get mine out of the way quick to, here because I already mentioned him earlier in the show, and that's Tavian Thomas from Utah. Already talked about his ridiculous uh, touchdown rate, ten percent. It's guaranteed to regress. Uh, they bring in a four-star freshman, Jalen Glover, who I think we'll see a little bit of run this year. Um, I also liked Ricky Parks last year. I'm not really hearing much news about him. Uh, he's a redshirt freshman, obviously, this year. I think he could potentially see a bit of run. And then, obviously, Micah Bernard is back with 500 yards a season ago. So I think there's a lot of miles to feed just in that backfield. And then, obviously, I talked about Cameron Rising this year. I think he's going to get some of those rushing touchdowns. I think he's going to, you know, they're going to utilize the pass game a lot more. And Thomas's price isn't, like, exorbitant. Right now he's at ADP 83, uh, RB 31. But I think there's better guys behind him. And I was just looking at the campus of Canton ADP from like 84 to 100, the guys behind him. I think there was only like three guys that I'd have taken Thomas before. So like, you know, 13 guys behind him just in the top 100 that I think are better than Thomas. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of out on him. Uh, I think, you know, if you're, if you're going to take him in a C2C draft just for some touchdown upside, then that's fine. But I wouldn't be expecting any sort of NFL potential there. Yeah, I agree with you. He has nice size, um, you know, which is, you know, obviously works well for looking at the NFL. But, you know, when when it's all said and done, like he had 0.166 receptions per game. So like receiving is not a part of his game at all. Um, We already talked about his touchdown rate, which is just wild. So we don't expect that to continue. And, um, you know, one of the, I've mentioned it probably like three times on this pod. So you can clearly tell that I care about the, the stat or the metric, but you know, one of uh, the things I look at is the, the, um, big time run rate and he had a 4.3%, uh, big time run rate. So like he's not getting those big explosive plays. He's not. So if he's not scoring touchdowns, he's probably not scoring you a lot of points when it's all said and done. So I really don't mind that at all. Um, I don't know where he's going in ADP, but I think, you know, like I'm, I'm perfectly fine with calling him a follower, honestly. 
Yeah, 83, by the way, RB31. Actually, that's exactly where I have him, at RB31. So, oh, uh, really? I don't, yeah, I literally have him at RB30. I was looking at it right here. So I was looking <laughs> so. at the rankings. That, like Some of the freshmen, like Jamarian Miller, are behind him from Alabama, which I, obviously the rankings, the ADP gets updated. I think Mer- Miller is probably going to be ahead of him. Actually, you know what? I'm we- sorry. I'm so I'm the list I'm looking at right now is just the list of players that played last year. So I don't have freshmen involved. So he's, he's actually lower than, than 31. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 There's a ton of freshmen that had ADP lower than him that I was like, you know, I'd rather take a chance on one of them. than yeah. take. No, take I, I agree. Yeah. So yeah. At players that played last year, he's 31, but once you start throwing him in those freshmen, he's probably 40 something, you know? So yeah, right. I, I have no issues with him falling there. <laughs> Nice. But and we already talked about my faller. Uh, you know, I think we we've done a great job of talking about the Big Ten, the Pac-12. Hopefully, the Pac-12 can continue on and prosper. Uh, we have no idea if that will actually happen or not. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We're going to continue the series and get into uh, some of the other conferences uh, here pretty soon. In what two weeks? And we yep. will go ahead and, and do some previews. And obviously, you know, Tommy T and Lucas will have. Uh, some fun games and questions and all kinds of good stuff for us. One thing I wanted to point out uh, that I actually missed, so this is on me, uh, is that Kirby Smart did sign a 10-year, $112.5 million extension at Georgia. Obviously, when you win the big game, this happens. Just quick, rapid thoughts from you two on the spot, because it was not on any show sheet on the matter <laughs> I want to start with Andy because you're already smiling over there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's I I kind of was shocked to hear that it didn't happen sooner. Honestly, you know, like you said, he won the big game. He's been there for you know the better part of a decade. So you know, lock him in, SEC coach. He's he's shown that he can make the playoff multiple times. So yeah, it's it's kind of a non-story. I think for me, like it was just sort of expected. Yeah, I don't even like actually follow college news nearly as much as Andy does. So um, even even with that, it was not like unexpected. It was not some big shock or anything like that. Like uh, the dude's recruiting has been amazing. They have not been able to put together an offense necessarily, but it hasn't mattered. You know, like their defense has just been so damn good. I'm sorry. It's like, that's not luck. Like their, their recruiting has just been amazing. And, uh, you know, obviously you win. Except for at quarterback, (laughs) they need to hit on one of those five-star quarterbacks. I I guess I I was really talking about defense, but yeah. No, no, you're right. Yeah. I got you. (laughs) Yes. That recruiting has just been amazing on defense. And then, you know, you, you throw in a championship over, you know, over Bama and you're going to, you're going to get that extension every single time. It's just going to happen. 100%. I just thought it was funny that, Andy, you and I had previously spoken about how the NIL deals are going to affect college football, and yet there's less chatter about a head coach going for 110, almost $111 million. Something interesting. Gentlemen, great program tonight. I want to leave with final thoughts before we get out of here. I guess I'll go ahead and – yeah, I'll go ahead and start – I, I really don't like the Pac-12. <laughs> I think that's my final thought. Um, it just like as I was looking at these players and stuff, like there's there's some there's some 2024 players and 2025 players that I like, but they're just completely unproven. Uh, there's not that many proven players that I'm like, man, I, I really like, and I, I guess that's pretty normal for the Pac-12. But uh, just you know, when I was 
when I looked at the Big Ten and I'm like trying to pick my my players and everything, it was just very simple to choose who I liked, who I thought was going to rise, who I thought was going to fall. And then I got over the the Pac-12 and I'm looking at my ranks, I'm looking at ADP, and I'm just like, no, I feel like this is pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the other thing, you know, just to piggyback off what you're saying is it's like, the best Debbie guys are on the teams that are leaving to the big 10. So, you know, we've talked about it. The big, the PAC 12 just feels like it's a dead conference at this point. We're not going to, we don't know what's going to happen. Unfortunately, things just, you seem to get a new piece of news every single day as to like, who's going to go where all we just have to do, you know, all you can do is wait it out and see what happens. But yeah, outside of USC and maybe a couple guys on Oregon, there's not a lot to be excited about in that conference. Definitely agree. One hundred percent. I I I I knew it, but I just I really like reiterated it when I when I started looking into it and like researching tonight. Yeah, Lucas. All right, I'm going to try to keep my soapbox here a little brief. Uh, I did find it very interesting that Kirby Smart came out with this contract, and earlier this week he was at a fundraiser and was saying that. Players getting $10,000 a month in their NIL deals is outlandish and people don't need to give them that much money. And then SEC media days are happening right now. And he's already come out there and said that kids don't need to be making this much money through NIL deals. So that's just a little fun random thought here. <laughs> <laughs> Another fun thing is just a lot of these players that uh, you all chose today they have so many counterparts that you can see just based off of their production, their size, their schools. And I, I find that very interesting. Like Braylon Allen, we were talking about Lindale why uh, Derek Henry's a little bit of a stretch just cause he's an absolute mammoth of a man, but so is Braylon Allen. And then talking about uh, Travis Dye reminded me a lot of Kyron Williams, Marvin Harrison. It's not hard to think of the other Harrison. Uh, and then uh, Rakeem Jarrett, thinking about uh, Stephon Diggs and DJ Moore, both coming from Maryland recently as uh, five-star recruits whenever they got there. So there's a lot of similarities that I think can sometimes influence the way that we're looking at these players. And I think you all illustrated that very well with where you have them uh, going in terms of value and future upside. So well done, guys. Thank you, Lucas. Absolutely phenomenal. Look, my final thoughts are always the same, but there are a, a couple little bits extra. Look, always the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast Network is continuously trying to improve our content. You can let us know how by joining the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast Network Discord, which is free for everyone. Coming up, we will have a Debo Samuel signed jersey giveaway you want to know how you can do that well all you have to do is be a member of the full tilt dynasty podcast network discord channel and this is where it gets interesting there will be two 12 team redraft leagues that will go on their own this is free to enter winners of each redraft league will go head to head in a dfs show showdown the week after fantasy football championship winner takes all we handle the shipping, we handle the cost, no matter where you are, UK, Australia, no matter where you are in the world, we cover the cost. This is free to enter, and all you have to do is be in the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast Discord. Links will be in the description. Gentlemen, I love this program. I love the setup from myself at Thomas Tipple FF, from uh, Lucas at The Cute Hurts, from two hosts, uh, which are they just have the 
beautifulest beards on the planet. This is at A Star FF and of course at Dynasty Coach A. I want to remind everyone that clear eyes and full hearts can never lose. And your best days, well, they're always spent tilted. Good night, everybody. <laughs>